All right, we're live. We're back. The All-Star MMA Pick Show. I'm your host, JHK. You can find me at JHK MMA. Joining me, of course, is my co-host, Jay Speck. You can find him at Jay Speck, the host on Twitter for all the polls and just, you know, great content over there. And then our guest for today is Mike at Mike's MMA Picks on Twitter. You can get all the knowledgeable info about fights, bets. He's the flyweight king. That's what I like to call him. He, he loves the flyweights. And uh, man, today we have a, a, an interesting card with a lot of interesting matchups. UFC Vegas 71. It's going to be headlined by Curtis Blades and Sergey Pavlovich. And um, man, last week I had a, a shitty, shitty week on picks. You know what I mean? I've been having a couple, couple weeks of not so great picks. I went five and nine on the night, and that my total now for the year is eighty-seven fifty-nine. Not too bad for the for the year, you know. What I mean, just a couple of weeks I've had a, a terrible run. I think that's like something that is common, you know. What I mean, you have to ride out the the bad streaks as well as ride the good streaks. And Jay Speck, he went six and eight last week, uh, a little bit better than me. His total is seventy-nine and sixty-seven. Today, uh, we're gonna go through the the card from. Bottom to top, make sure you guys go in the descriptions and download the All-Star app. Make your picks during the show. I'll be making my picks on the show. I'm going to put the app on the screen, show you guys how to do it. Um, yeah, let's get into the first fight of the night. Let me put the, the app on the screen, and we can jump right in. The first fight of the night is going to be a Bantamweight bout between Baccarel Dana and Brady Highstand. The Nah is 33 years old, five foot seven orthodox fighter, 12 and four record, three and three in the UFC. He has wins over Brandon Davis, Kevin Natividad, and Guido Canetti, but he is on a two fight skid against Chris Gutierrez and Kyung Ho Kang. 83% finishing rate, seven KOs, three subs, and he is on around nine months between fights. On the flip side, we got Brady, 23 years old, young kid. Five foot eight orthodox fighter, six and two record, one and one in the UFC. He lost his debut, which was the tough finale to Ricky uh, Tercios. Then he defeated Fergie Garcia last November via unanimous decision. He has an 83% finishing rate, two KOs, two subs, five months between fights for him. And he is the underdog in this matchup. Before we get to Mike and, and his breakdown, I'm going to play a clip from my interview with Dana. Learning a lot from Henry Huda, and he's always like um, coaching him also while doing training. And they do also any other like different sessions, including sparring. With Henry Huda, uh, has like scheduled fights soon, so uh, doing the same training, similar trainings, it's really motivating him. And not only Henry Huda, there are many other fi fighters who has uh, like scheduled uh, fights, so it's really motivating to work with them because Henry has uh, soon fight. At the gym, we have like many Bantan weight fighters. At the gym. He's ready for even 15 or 25 minutes. He's prepared, he prepared really good, so he can go even 25 minutes. In this game, 
it's very rare where you get like exclusive interviews, you know what I mean? Because fighters do interviews for like many different outlets. But for some reason, Dana, he doesn't really do interviews outside of interviews with me, man. I've only I've probably done like three of them. You know what I mean? So um, there's a lot of good info. Go check out that interview, the, the whole thing. Mike, what do you see in this matchup? Exclusive. Thank you, John, for for getting that interview. Some great stuff there, too. And honesty, that is huge also. Um, you know, Botkari Dana is a <clears throat> he's a powerful striker. They, we must acknowledge the 10-year age difference in this matchup. Um, Brady's 10 years younger, 23 years of age. Can push a pace, is going to look to grapple, and Dana can crack. So I have concerns watching that Ricky Tercios fight. That wasn't long ago. That was a couple of years ago. And Brady's getting picked apart on the feet. He's going to look to utilize his wrestling here, but I think he's going to get. I think he's going to get cracked. I trust the folks at Fight Ready, and hmm, you know I. He brings up a great point about Henry Cejudo being in camp, about the vibe at that uh, at that gym in North Scottsdale. I think that that really could potentially pay dividends here. So I'll be picking uh, Batgari Dana, and I think he has the potential to get it done inside the distance. I think that he does get the stoppage finish here. Fight doesn't go the distance. The line is sitting at minus one ninety right now. You look at the odds and and. The odds haven't really moved that much. Um, Botgari Dana is sitting at minus 146. So it, I'm on the fence, haven't made a play, but he's going to be the pick. All right. Before uh, we get to J-Spec, make sure you guys put your predictions in the chat. I'll bring them up. Make sure you put them in there a little bit early so you know we could get them on the screen. And uh, J-Spec, what do you got? I'm going to read a comment left by Preston. High stands wrestling will be the key factor in this fight. Don't think Brady is going to want to stand with Dana for too long. If Brady can do that, he'll probably win this by decision. The fan poll comes in with 62% of the support going to Mr. High Stand. This, <clears throat> excuse me, this isn't too deep of a, of a breakdown. This is a simple thing. This is a pretty simple one. We got a light, lighter weight fighter here, 135ers, and we got one guy who's 10 years elder. That collective, um, that collective of time when it, when it comes to youth and speed in the in the lower weight classes are tremendous. You know, it's not like the higher weight classes. And I'm thinking that the ceiling of ideal prime should be lowered to 33 uh, when talking about the lower weight classes. Um, outside of that, there's two. Uh, one other factor that I think really should be brought up is the two knockout losses. You know. Back-to-back, -back, uh, TKO and then KO loss. Um, I, that's something I fade. Personally, when I see a fighter coming off of a KO loss, I'm, I'm, I kind of want to stay away. Now I got two of them. It's real tempting to go with Mr. Brady, and that's what I'm doing in this case. Younger, fresher fighter, less a recent KO damage as well. All right. Raw Torque is taking Dana by KO, and uh, Foul One is saying that minus... 146 aren't great odds for Dana. Um, you know, uh, going back to that fight that Mike mentioned against uh, Ricky Tercios, Brady actually interviewed him after that. He had it, he he was he he suffered a major knee injury ahead of that fight, but he couldn't pull out because it was the, the championship fight, right? For for the ultimate fighter. 
and uh, it really hindered him. And he even went, he went to a, what is it? A split decision with Tercios, right? It's without a doubt, Dana has the X factor in this fight, right? He has the power advantage. He has the striking advantage. And, uh, and like you said, I'm pretty sure Fight Ready has him completely, completely ready for the wrestling of, uh, of Brady. Um, I, in the interview, Dana mentioned that he's been working with JSP, Jonathan Pierce, who's probably one of the best grapplers at featherweight, which is a, you know, a, a weight class above these guys. And, you know, of course, Henry Cejudo and all the guys that he brought in, all the bantamweights that he brought in to help him for the championship fight. Um, I could see Brady going in there and implementing a, just a straight up, like very simple game plan of like one, two, dip in. Try grab a single leg, double leg, press against the fence, and win a decision. I could see that happening. But then also on the flip side, I could see Dana going in there and, and catching Brady and putting him on Queer Street and then finishing him real quick. If I flip the coin, I'm going to have to go with, of course, the Asian fighter. <laughs> I always have to go with the Asian fighter. I can't go against him, right? So I'm going to go with uh, Dana. I'm going to go with knockout. I'm going to say it's going to take him into the second round. And uh, he's going to do it, right? So that's my pick for that. Uh, before we get into the, the next pick, I would like to bring up a comment by Kevin. Kevin, what's good, man? The What is it? The the human x-ray machine that we like to call him. He that said, right. uh, high stands, second fight back after ACL reconstruction. In my opinion, it seems that fighters perform better in that second fight back after this particular surgery. So that's uh, that's coming from a doctor, right? So we need to listen to to doctors okay now let's move on to the next fight this fight is in the women's strawweight division priscilla cachoeira versus kareen silva cachoeira 34 years old five foot seven orthodox fighter 12 and four record overall four and four in the ufc she has two fights straight that she's won against ariana lipsky and Gian kim finishes over gina mazani and shanna dobson 58 percent finishing rate Seven KOs. All of her finishes are KOs. Eight months between fights for her, and she is the underdog heading into this matchup. Kareen Silva, 29 years old, five foot five orthodox fighter, 15 and four record, one and zero in the UFC. Six fight win streak. 2021 Contender Series winner. Defeated Pollyanna Botello in her debut last June. First round Darce choke. 100% finishing rate. Eight KOs, seven subs. Around a 10 month layoff for her. Mike, uh, what do you see in this matchup? This is an interesting one. Yeah, yeah. I got to be honest with you. I like what I've seen from Karini Silva. She, the way she locked up that Darce, you don't typically see that in women's mixed martial arts. And to do that in your UFC debut, to me, speaks volumes under the bright lights. Um, Cachoeira, we know exactly what we're going to get out of her. Tough as nails. Uh, zombie-esque, she's going to march forward, and if you can't finish her, you know she's going to come on late. So I understand why the odds are where they're set at right now. I'm going to pick Karini Silva. Um, she, in her second UFC fight, I think is going to come out here and shine. Uh, she's got to get her jujitsu going, though, and she's going to have to lock something up. I, I think that's in play here, I like uh, Karini Silva inside the distance, and I'll be picking her to win via submission. There you go. Jay Speck. Comment from Preston. Priscilla, aggressive, forward movement, and veteran smarts will get the job done here. 68% of the fans signing up for some Cachoeira in this matchup. Um, and I'm actually kind of surprised. Um, normally, you know, 
people who are tough. I think the first when the first adjective you go to for a fighter is tough, usually there's a lot of butts and a lot of uh, maybe sort of that comes along with it. Uh, unfortunately, Cachuera is one of those fighters that not a lot of people ignite to what her best strong suits are besides her durability. And that's just not enough for me uh, this time around. So I'm going with the less popular vote, uh, but the bookies uh, favorite Miss Silva in this one. Okay. Um, let me put this up. This is this match was interesting to me because Cachoeira, she's just she's never been knocked out, right? She she fought one of the best knockout artists in the flyweight division, which is which was the champ, right? Valentina Shevchenko, and Valentina took her down and had to submit her. She couldn't knock her out. She couldn't put her away. That was one of those fights, remember, where everybody was like, "Why is it not stopped?" You know what I mean? And then eventually, you know, Valentina did lock in the choke. Um, I think Kareen is a talent. I think she has. Like, she has 100% finishing rate. You know what I mean? Like, she's a finisher. Like, she goes in there and she can find her spots and, and finish fights. And uh, I feel like she's going to go in there and she's going to implement. She's much younger as well. She's going to implement her, her grappling. I think she's not going to stand there and try to trade with Cachoeira too much because we know what Cachoeira does. She gets she, – she'll take two to get one, right? And that's, that's her style. She'll get bloody. She'll get beaten up. And, and she'll – She'll want to take the fight into deep waters. And uh, and I think Kareem, she doesn't need to do that. She needs to go in there and implement her jiu-jitsu, implement her wrestling, use her striking to get in tight, right, and get it to the ground. I'm going to take Silva. I'm going to take the favorite in this one. I think submission as well. I agree with Mike. I think she's going to get the submission uh, in the first round. I think she's going to try to get in there tight while they're still not so slippery. Um, before we get to the next matchup, we've got some – Got some comments. Foul one says, uh, I'm gonna throw 10 on the underdog, which is uh Cachoeira, because I have no idea. Yeah, it's this is a toss-up for real. It is, it is. Uh Raw Torque says coin flip might might live bet this one. Yeah, that's probably a, a good idea to live bet. Now let's move on to the next fight on the card. A featherweight bout between Francis Marshall and William Gones. Francis Marshall, 24 years old. Five foot nine orthodox fighter, seven and zero record, undefeated, one and zero in the UFC. Twenty twenty two contender series winner. He won that fight by unanimous decision. Made his UFC debut against Marcelo Rojo last December. Got a second round TKO. Seventy one percent finishing rate. One KO, four subs, four month turnaround for him. Gomes on the flip side, twenty five years old, six foot tall, southpaw, eleven and two record overall, one and zero in the UFC. Won his UFC debut last September. Via majority decision, 64% finishing rate, six KOs, one sub, and he is the underdog. Before we get to Mike, let me play my clip, or let me play the clip of uh, Francis Marshall. Uh, I think it's a good matchup. I mean, I think it's another one of these striker versus grappler matchups. He's, uh, what is it? I think he's 11-2. and two. He's a good kickboxer out of France. I mean, I think they had a lot of a lot of good strikers over there. So that's what I'll be looking for most out of him. He's probably going to try to keep the fight on his feet, work on his kicks and all that stuff. So that's what I'll be working on this camp, most likely, and stuff like that. Yeah, I think I have a little bit of a longer reach for my, my height, 5'9". So I think my reach is actually a little bit better for my size. Yeah, I think I had two two or three other fights where the guys were, were pretty big, between like 6'1 and 6'3 maybe. But, I mean, it's just annoying. They're they're long. You got to get in on them. But, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I'm expecting another finish out of myself. I mean, I like to hold myself to a higher standard. So getting out of there with a decision or 
just even taking the guy down and, and doing the old lamb pray up doesn't really cut it for me. I like to be an exciting fighter, keep the fans into it, and uh, keep the ball rolling. Yeah, um, Marshall, he's 5'9", and William is six foot, but there's only an inch difference in reach. And that's what he was talking about in the interview. Mike, what do you see in this one? Yeah, yeah, I got, you know, <clears throat> I I don't like when I hear that, to be honest about the, I'm okay with the lay and pray. You know, John Fitch won a lot of fights in the UFC <laughs> via lay and pray, right? And you know who uh, Francis um, trains under? UFC vet Kurt Pellegrino. And yes, Pellegrino yes. Uh, did, a, he, I mean, I think he fought Nate Diaz back in the day, fought many, uh, many high profile bouts and he's a solid fighter and one thing that was mentioned during the broadcast was that Pellegrino um, tried to really lay into Francis about learning from the mistakes that Kurt made so uh, it's okay to maintain top position and burn clock and that's what I expect from him in this bout versus the the French kickboxer who in his UFC fight we saw Gomez um establish a wrestling game which typically isn't his style it looked solid uh, and he was able to survive a late choke late i believe triangle choke um i'm going to be picking francis marshall here and i know that he has a tenacity or a tendency to put himself in harm's way um, rojo was finding success on the feet against him but if francis is able to um, use his wrestling and use his physicality inside of the smaller octagon. That needs to be mentioned here, folks, also, that this fight is going to be taking place in the tight confines of the UFC apex. I'm going to be picking Francis Marshall, and I think that he's going to find that rear naked choke at some point during this fight. The one thing that is a concern of mine is that Gomez is a solid striker, especially when he has fighters coming right at him. And we know Marshall is going to be, is going to be um, making a beeline towards him. So give me Marshall. Give me Marshall. Rear naked choke. Liam picks fights. Great panel symbol today. Appreciate you, Liam. Make sure you guys go to uh, Liam's YouTube channel and subscribe and go follow him on Twitter. A great guy to uh, get info from. Uh Jay Speck, what do you got for us? Preston's saying, Gomez striking can be very hit or miss when it comes to finding the distance. Marshall, mixing up the striking with his great wrestling, should get the job done. Uh, Dirt Hooligan says, we'll see which Gomez shows up. And the fight poll coming in very clear. 89% of the fans supporting Mr. Francis Marshall. Um, the fire marshal. What can I say? He gets the respect of the people in regular life. He gets the respect of the people here in the fight realm. Um, man, when we talk about the modern era and where we're at now in MMA, the the idea of specialists is actually kind of like a big negative the way I see it nowadays. When you have someone who is really good at one thing, it really presents the fact that they're not that great at about two to three others. So, And that's current right now 2023 mma so with that being said with the cage being smaller great point mike very solid point and the more well-rounded nature of mr marshall's skill set versus what we pretty much we know he can dabble in the other arts this is not 1993 but he's a striker and he's gonna he's gonna be on the defensive wrestling 
for most of this bout is my suspicion. So that's why I'm going with Marshall on this. When you look at uh, this striking, right? It's uh, you got the French kickboxer, but if you look at the numbers, this is interesting. Gomez lands two significant strikes per minute. Marshall lands six significant strikes per minute. That, if you look at those numbers, it doesn't make any sense, right? You're thinking like Gomez is the striker. I think Marshall goes in there, he wrestles, he takes it to the ground, and he's a submission guy because all of his wins outside the UFC, heading into the UFC, were all submission wins, right? All of his finishes. And his first knockout was against Marcelo Gar- uh, Rojo in his UFC debut. I'm taking Marshall submission round two. I think they, they battle on the feet in the first round, but I think Marshall takes it down to the ground. All right, let's uh, get into the next one. This one, this is one of my fights that I'm looking forward to, right? This is one of those fights that's just like, why is it early prelims, to be honest with you? This is a fight night card in Vegas at the Apex. This should, fight should not be on the prelims, but it is whatever. I don't care. Heavyweight bout between Mohamed Usman and Junior Tafa. Usman, 34 years old, six foot two orthodox fighter, eight and two record overall, one and zero in the UFC. He is a tough 30 champion. He got a second round knockout over Zach Puaga, PFL veteran, 75% finish rate, four knockouts, two subs around the eight month turnaround for him. On the flip side, we got Junior Tafa, Tafa Gang, the younger brother of Justin Tafa. If you don't know him, I don't know where you've been in fighting. Um, 26 years old, six foot three orthodox fighter, 4-0, undefeated record, UFC debut, glory kickboxing veteran. He turned pro MMA. He turned pro MMA July 2022. That's less than a year ago. And he signed with the UFC January 2023. Four fights, four first round knockouts, 100% finishing rate, four month turnaround for him. Here's my... uh. My interview with uh, Junior Tafa. I think I'm uh, quite experienced. You know, I don't, I don't see myself as a new cat anymore. I don't, I don't see myself as a, like a, a newcomer. I just know like my time's coming, and this is, and here it is now. I can finally uh, showcase what I'm about, man. I'm happy this fight's at heavyweight because I've, I've just been eating what I want and um, been just j- killing a uh, training camp. You know. Man, I just want to put on a good fight. I just, I really want to put on, um, yeah, I want to put on a great fight. I really want to win the bonus. I got my goals simple. I just want to knock these cunts' heads off. So, yeah, there's no, I don't really want to show a freaking flying armbar or, or you know, a spinning back kick. I just want to freaking drop bombs on these guys and let's see if they keep coming. You know, so. Mike. What do you got for us? Wow, Junior sure knows how to cut a promo. That, that was that was awesome. So we have Kamara Usman versus Justin Taffa. How many people out there actually think that that's the fight? I wonder. I I have a feeling that that there are a few, right? But Junior, what we have to look a little bit deeper. He's twenty and five as a kickboxer, right, with sixteen knockouts. So it's not like this is a spring chicken here. This is actually someone who has a legitimate pedigree when it comes to striking um and and muhammad usman i'm not completely sold i know that he is the brother of kamaru and that he does 
have wrestling in his back pocket to some degree, but is going to look to use his physicality and mixed martial arts experience to gain an edge here. But I have a feeling he's going to get caught on the feet that someone's going to be put on wobbly legs early in this spot. And I think it's going to be Usman here. And the line here also has fluctuated dramatically when it comes to the betting angle. Um, a lot of people slammed a, um, a Muhammad Usman line that was in the plus 200 region for a little while. Now it's come back to a point where it's just about evens, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to side with the, with a much, much, much better striker here in, in junior Tafa, even though he doesn't have as much mixed martial arts experience, the kickboxing, I think is going to really help him out here. And it only takes one at heavyweight, right? And we're going to talk about that in the main event later, but I'll be picking junior Tafa by knockout. J-Spec. Kesserin coming in with a long layoff and a lack of posts on social media have to make you question if Usman has been training frequently. Tafa is far more well-rounded between the two. Tafa gets the KO victory. The poll, 69% of the fans signing up for the Tafa gang. Um, there is this pretty clear stigma on Mohamed Usman that he's just not very good. And that super sucks if you're him, you know, because you're you're putting the work, you're going through the damn TV show. It's not your fault your brother was also the world champion. Like, what if you didn't have this super famous brother? Would people still be on your back this bad? You know, or would you just be another big-ass heavyweight prospect that we're not fully sure what your maximum potential is? Which I think he's more of that, but, boy, the people don't treat him that way. The people treat him like, like he's a broken promise or something. Like he was supposed to be equal or better than Kamaru, uh, which, once again, tough to have a famous last name. Oh, well. Uh, on the other side of it, you know it's a tough last name to carry around? That Tafa last name. Because I'm sure every scrapper back on the island wanted to test him growing up. His brothers doesn't sound like, you know, it was they weren't giving out massages. Uh, it sounds like it was tough and rough tumble living. And that is the kind of origin story you want to hear when you're talking about the future of heavyweights. Someone who's been there banging around. Yeah, he's, I think last uh, report or maybe last interview I saw with JHK he did, he was talking about maybe doing light heavyweight. But apparently here he is at heavyweight. And I would normally be scared in this position um, when talking about a fighter who's fluctuating between weight classes. But I don't know. There's just something about being a Tafa, knowing that he's basically been fighting Muhammad Usman almost his whole life. If you don't think he's been outweighed with a stronger puncher in front of him for a thousand rounds already in life, you're tripping. So that is the reason why. That is the reason why I'm picking Mr. Tafa in this event, because I feel like he's already fought Muhammad Usman plenty of times. MMA Jesus 420 says Tafa via first round knockout. Raw Torque is saying the under 1.5. Kevin Nicholson says Tafa just three months out of from hand surgery. Probably not an issue, but I'm taking Usman. Um I think that uh I think that we're clouded from like you know, we've been talking about you guys just both mentioned about Kamaro. We're clouded that Kamaro is such a great, like he comes from such a great wrestling pedigree that we might think that Usman's such a great wrestler but I don't think we've seen that right we've seen Usman kind of be uh, a striker you know what I mean he goes out there and tries to strike and if he goes out and tries to strike against Justin Ta or Junior Tafa he's gonna get knocked out like Junior Tafa just he just has like 
death in his hands, right? Like, it's just like, he doesn't look the part. Like, if you thought who had more power just by looking at them, you would think Usman would be the, the knockout artist, right? But he's not. And I think Tafa goes in there. He's been in so many training. He's, he was Mark Hunt's main training partner for years. He's only 26 years old. Think about how many years he's been helping Mark Hunt get ready for UFC fights, big fights, big events. Like, this is nothing to him, right? He just goes in there, doesn't have to cut weight, and just puts hands on somebody. And that's what he's going to do. I think that's what he's going to do. I think Tafa goes in there, gets the first-round knockout. I think it's going to be that simple. And uh, kind of sucks for uh, Usman. But anyways, <laughs> let's move on to the next bout is a woman's featherweight. But Woman's featherweight? Like, did that even does that even exist? But I guess it does. You know, we got Carol Rosa versus Norma Dumont. Rosa, 28 years old, five foot five, orthodox fighter, 16 and four record, five and one in the UFC. She has wins over Lena Landsberg, Betch Coera, and Jocelyn Edwards. 38% finishing rate, four KOs, two subs, six months between fights for her. Dumont, 32 years old, five foot seven, orthodox fighter, eight and two record, four and two in the UFC. Wins over Aspen Ladd, Felicia Spencer, and Danielle Wolf. 25% finishing rate, two subs, eight months between fights for her. If you look at the finishing like rate of both of these fighters, this is definitely going to go to a decision in my eyes. Mike, what do you see? You took the words right out of my mouth, John. I have been trying to make sense of which pick I'm going to make on this specific bout. I've been uh, bouncing around, and this is a fight that you have Norma Dumont with the Sanda background who has only 10 professional mixed martial arts bouts, and we've seen her not be able to finish a sandwich, although... At 145 pounds, I have a feeling both of these ladies can finish a sandwich. And you have Norma Dumont, who is the older fighter, who both of these ladies, you'll notice if you watch them compete, carry a lot of their weight in the lower portion of their body. They've got extremely thick legs, and Rosa can extend fights, perform well later in fights as far as the volume goes. She's the more active fighter. Norma Dumont typically gets off to a strong start early in her bouts. I wonder who's going to be the one landing the takedowns in this bout. That is a real, um, that's, that's going to be an important aspect of this fight. And I have yet to figure out after taping numerous bouts, who is going to end up in top position here. And then who has the better get up game? You know, that's, that's the other thing we've seen both of these fighters grounded and struggle on the Met. I'm going to roll with the younger fighter, Carol Hosa and the volume. I think that is in play and also being up at 145 pounds. I think that is going to help Hosa come across the finish line as the victor here. But I'll be honest, both of these fighters have had opportunities to succeed, and I haven't been impressed. I know um, there was a fight against Aspen Ladd by Norma Dumont, and I thought she was going to close out the show. She was she was flying high. And then you have Aspen Ladd, who it's amazing to me. I, I wonder how long she's going to last at PFL, to be honest. It's, it's, a, it's a concern of mine, the career trajectory in that regard. But... Long story short, I'm going to be picking Carol Hosa, and I think that she does win this fight via decision, as you mentioned, John. Thank you. Jay Speck? Well, 
the fan poll coming in with a 62% support for Miss Dumont on this one. I think uh, this might just have a little bit of, you know, what better rec- name recognition uh, in this case when you, when fans are picking this. I couldn't get a pulse on this from anybody. Like, this is the fight. No respect, no disrespect, ladies. First off, I respect the Warriors, but this fight needs like some hot sauce, like immediately. Like, no one is talking about it. There is no pulse to this fight, zero buzz. And just remember, sometimes that's when we get a really, really great fight. But right now, this one just seems to be like stamp decision made. Like, some of the sentiment, it's this is like go do your laundry or fix a sandwich, since that was a topic that got brought up. Uh, during this kind of fight, um, I cannot find a reason to get excited for either one of these fighters. Really struggled to find an edge on this. Uh, I'm gonna go with the veteran, uh, and that was my edge when uh, comparing the two fighters. I think there's a little bit more experience and veteranship that you can give to Miss Dumont, so that is my pick. Raw Torque says Norma thick thighs Dumont by decision. And MMA Jesus 420 Norma via twerk. That could be a possibility. There will be a lot of twerking maybe on that. Um, in this uh, featherweight title eliminator, that's what I call it, right? Because there's no one else fighting at featherweight. <laughs> um, if you look at the numbers, right? Both fighters average one takedown per fight. And their ta- takedown accuracy is at 50%, both of them. But Rosa is just more active on the feet just lands more volume and uh and is a little bit a little bit more accurate with her strikes. I think that's what we're going to see. I think we're going to see a fight on the feet and they're going to just kind of turn it into a light kickboxing sparring match and I think Rosa's going to win the fight via decision. That's basically it. Very simple for me. Nothing too too crazy. Now, let's move on to the next fight. Next fight is in the bantamweight division. Hani Yaya versus Montel Jackson. Yaya, 38 years old, five foot six, uh, Orthodox fighter, 28, 10, and one record, 13, 4, and 1 in the UFC with one no contest. The most recent wins he's had is against uh Kyung Kong, Ray Rodriguez, and Luke Sanders. 75% finisher rate, 21 submissions, all submissions, no knockouts. 17-month layoff for him. He is a heavy, heavy underdog in this fight. Jackson, 30 years old, 5'10", Southpaw, 12-2 record, 6-2 in the UFC, 2018 Contender Series winner, three-fight win streak against Julio Arce, J.P. Baez, or Bays, and Jesse Strader, 58% finishing rate, six KOs, one sub, eight-and-a-half-inch reach advantage, five-month turnaround for him. Mike, uh, what do you see in this matchup? Yeah, well... I dug into this fight and made a play on fight doesn't go the distance. And one of the reasons I did that was because you look at Ronnie Yaya and what has been going on in his career. He's coming off of neck surgery. He's 38 years of age. Um, He is a fighter who has been cracked on the feet against Kang and many, many others. Um, Man, who is the, uh, the fighter um, who was a, dirt bike rider who is BMX rider out of Arizona, Luke Sanders. Yeah. So Luke Sanders and a hockey player too. Um, Luke Sanders had Yaya in, in trouble and then got submitted. And we know you mentioned John 21 submission victories. That is 
if that is a very impressive number and this is a fighter who has fought um many 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 fighters throughout their throughout his career i believe he's fought uh kid yamamoto at one point in his mixed martial arts career um he has been around the block 38 years of age uh, and he's taking on montel jackson who i was impressed with his fight against julio arce the way he was able to drop him and he's gonna have to put a stamp on it here i i know that jackson has a propensity to uh, drag fights out to distance and we saw against uh, buys that that took place but I think that this you're you're either going to see Montel Jackson via KO or uh, Haniyana Raniyaya via submission but I, th- I think the fight doesn't go the distance play is live and I'll be picking Montel Jackson to win via knockout thank All you right. J-Spec all right, the fan pool comes in with 66% of the support going to Mr. Montel Jackson. I remember it doesn't feel like that long ago where, like, Ronnie Yaya was kind of a threat, you know? Like, people thought, like, oh, this dude is pretty good. I know some people were behind him. And then it's like all that is complete. It feels like that never even happened, you know, the way people were kind of react to him now. Um, Mr. Jackson on the other side. Yeah, he's hot right now, but I do want to bring up, you know, at least one of those guys on that list. Like, J.P. Bays, I mean, pretty much everybody beat him. So, like, how much do you give credit for these wins at this point? I don't know. But I can tell you for sure that I'm supporting Mr. Jackson along with the rest of the herd because I just think I just think the best Ronnie Aya, we've already seen it, and it's just going to be a slightly less diminished version of him from here on out as we see him. Um, and I, I hope he's a hundred percent with neck injury, uh, neck surgery and all that, but late, like late stage in the career, spine, neck, knee, shoulder, you know, all those kind of big fighting regions, everybody, every time you get surgeries like that, guys, it's so hard to see, uh, the, the, a new resurgence from them. So I'm not buying that story. Give me some Jackson. All right. Raw Torque says, Yaya sub sprinkle. Yeah, that's that's likely going to happen. Foul One says, eight and a half inch is big advantage. Yeah, it is a massive advantage. I think uh, Montel Jackson is going to use that in this fight. I think from the start, he's going to keep Yaya at range and just pick him apart. I think that's what's going to happen. I agree with you, Mike. I think Jackson, he his, you know, his hesitancy is going to benefit him in this fight. He's not going to jump in too quick. And, and kind of like lock up with uh, Yaya. I think he keeps that distance. He just picks him apart, man. Just like breaks him down and and gets a gets a TKO finish. I, I say in the in the third round. I think he's gonna take his time. Let's go to the uh, prelim main event. A lightweight matchup between Ricky Glenn and Christos Yagos. Uh, Glenn, 34 years old, six foot tall, softball, 22, six and two record, four, three and one in the UFC. Wins over Joaquin Silva, Dennis Bermudez, and Gavin Tucker. 73% finishing rate, 11 KOs, five subs, 18 month layoff for Glenn. On the fifth side, you got Yagos, 33 years old, five foot 10 orthodox fighter, 19 and 10 record, five and six in the UFC. He's sitting on back-to-back losses to Tiago Moises and Armin Saryukian, but he does have wins over Sean Soriano, Carlton Minus, and Demir 
Hadzovic. 58% finishing rate, 7 KOs, 4 subs, 10-month turnaround for him, and he is the underdog. I will play a clip from my interview with Christos before we get to Mike. Uh, this is this is this is my dream fight type of matchup. You know what I mean? Uh, he's not a submission specialist. He's, you know, he's not like a crazy, crazy strong, hard striker. I mean, he has great striking. He has good grappling, and that's what I feel like I'm at. You know what I mean? He's the gladiator. I'm the sparring. I feel like we're both. You know, I got 30 fights. We're both. We're both. You know, veterans in the sport, and we're both gonna bring everything we got. You know what I mean? I think this is a fan favorite fight. Um, I think this is a fight people shouldn't sleep on because um, you know, I know he's coming full force i'm coming full force and we got the old school gladiators coming into the modern day era you know what i mean the skill set i've developed from training at kill cliff and i just haven't got to do that yet i feel like this is the perfect fight to, to get that opportunity show the world like you know christos is here to stay and uh i haven't gotten anywhere you know what i mean just just a couple hiccups you know what i mean it's like stubbing your toe it's painful in the beginning but you feel better afterwards once your toe starts feeling better and after this fight dude, i'm gonna be feeling a lot better Mike, yeah, he's he's been training at Kilcliffe. He's been there for about two years. You know, I mean, have we seen improvements from him? We don't know because he's faced you know two of the best guys in the division. Yeah, I you know I think he was at Black House at one point a few years ago. Solid fighter who you go back to watch his fight against Chris Wade. I believe that was man that was early in Chris Wade's UFC career. They had a drag out wrestling match that ended up uh wade came out the other side and and giago's cardio has always been an issue for him but you look at his resume the guy's been in there he went deep into fights with charles Oliveira and others so he's talented man he's talented but the wheels tend to fall off the longer the fight goes it's something i've noticed throughout his career extremely talented though and then you have Ricky Glenn on the other side of the fight, who is a survivor in a way, man. He has looked solid, deep in fights, and that's where he turns things on. The second, third round, you watch Grant Dawson, and uh, I remember that Dennis Bermudez fight, John. I remember you. Um, I remember that fight well because I had a play, I believe, on Dennis Bermudez there, and I even talked to Dennis Bermudez after that fight. I think that he was landing a number of leg kicks and wasn't able to close out the show. The judges opted to side with Ricky Glenn in that fight. In this matchup, I think that it's going to play out in a similar fashion to other bouts that Christos Giagos has participated in. In that, Giagos should have early success, and then I think that uh, you watch, you watch the Gavin Tucker fight, right? And and Ricky Glenn really, really put it on a man, and he gained steam throughout the fight. So I'm going to be picking Ricky Glenn here. One thing I have to point out, though, the odds are closing on this fight, guys. Uh, originally, Ricky Glenn was a much more significant favorite, so maybe the move to Killcliffe is uh, is factored or baked into this line to a certain degree. But I still believe that Ricky Glenn is the rightful favorite here, and I think that he is going to walk away with the victory. It is a concern of mine that he has an 18-month layoff, so I have to dig a little bit deeper into um, why that took place. I know there was, a, I believe, a knee injury that Ricky Glenn has been recovering from, but the pick is going to be Ricky Glenn, and you watch that Grant Dawson fight. Uh, oh, man, that was seconds, seconds away from... Uh, from Ricky Glenn pulling that out. So give me Ricky Glenn via decision. All right, Jay Speck. All right, I'm going to read a comment from our human x-ray machine, Kevin Nicholson. Very interesting fight. Glenn had 
ongoing issues with his hip, including surgery. I'll pick him, but I want to see if he's lost something in, on his strikes, which is possible with this now chronic hip problem. All right, there we go. So it wasn't a knee thing, a hip thing, but that's that's also not nothing to mess with. Uh, 55% of the fan poll comes in for Mr. Glenn on this one. You kind of got a little bit of, well, this guy's losing, and that man being Mr. Uh, Giagos. Uh, on the other side, we got Glenn, which is, what is he now? Is he okay? What What is left? How much uh, Mr. Glenn do we remember uh, is the guy that's still standing in front of us right now? And that's what you're going to basically have to go on, right? You go against a guy who's on a skid. Does he drop three in a row? Uh, mad pressure. He seems to be on it. If you watch JHK's interview, he seems very aware of the situation and uh, also ready to meet that challenge. So do you go with the unknown or the what is? And uh, that's a tough one. That's everything for you guys have to decide. But for me, I'm going with Glenn. I feel like he he was the better fighter overall. And maybe, what he said, 16 months it's been or so. Uh, that's Maybe that's about the right amount of time. I've never had to recover from a hip. But sounds right to me. It's not sounds rushed. It's a good amount of time for him to be all there and good. And I don't suspect he would have been signing up for this fight um if he's not so i think uh on the men ricky glenn is my choice when you look at this fight before i get into my pick let me get raw torque up on here glenn by decision and foul one says fighter removed for fighting killers yeah if you look at yagos he's fought the strength of schedule that he's he's had and this is his second stint with the ufc I forgot about that. This is his second stint. But his first stint, he fought Gilbert Burns and Chris Wade. Second stint, he fought Armin. He fought Tiago Moises. The guy fights the best, right? And and I think this is like he said, it's the perfect matchup for him to show like what he has shown, what he has improved upon since moving to Killcliffe. I'm gonna take Yagos in this fight. I think Rick Glenn, when when he fought uh Dawson, I think Dawson, it was more of Dawson just gassing out in that fight rather than Glenn turning it on. I think Dawson was just dead dog tired and he just couldn't do anything. And Rick Glenn turned it on in the third round. Um, I'm going to take Yagos. I think Yagos goes in there and, and fights smart. I feel like Yagos does have his back against the wall as well. And uh, I think he's going to go in there and, and give us a really, really good, solid, uh, solid uh, performance. I'm going to take Yagos by decision in this fight. All right. Let's go to the next one, guys. Let's go to the next one. All right. The main card kicks off with the welterweight bout between Jeremiah Wells and Matt Semmelsberger. Wells, 36 years old, five foot nine, switch stance fighter, 11 2 and 1 record, 3 0 in the UFC, a five fight win streak for him. Wins over Court McGee, Blood Diamond, and Wally Alves. 82% finishing rate, five KOs, four subs, 10 month turnaround for Mr. Wells. Semmelsberger, 30 years old, six foot one switch stance fighter, 11 and four record, five and two in the UFC, wins over Jake Matthews, AJ Fletcher, and Jason Witt. 64% finishing rate, six KOs, one sub, around five months between fights for Semmelsberger. This is a an interesting one. This is a this has got to be an action-packed opener for the main card. Mike, how you see it? Fantastic fight. Fantastic fight. Now, Semmelsberger has fought a similar style opponent as in uh, Chaos Williams, somebody who really will commit to their strikes. That's one thing you'll notice when I think it was Felder who mentioned during one of Jeremiah Wells's fights that you are going to be uh, excited when you watch this fight. He's a he will 
uh, flyer crash fighter in this spot. I'm conflicted to a certain degree because I've been a big fan of uh, Matt Semmelsberger's game. I think that he obviously there's a clear talent there. Not only is he an athletic specimen, but he's also a solid striker and he's not um, he's he's okay absorbing power punchers throwing back at him. So in this, in this spot, it's just, it's a matter of, because I have to respect Jeremiah Wells's ground game. He does have a legitimate threat on the mat and he's a, he's a savvy veteran. This is a fighter who's in his, uh, I think he's 36 years of age, if I'm not mistaken. So it's not like he's a spring chicken and we're talking about Walter weights here. Uh, you have, Semmelsberger, who's a former football player who is coming off of a spectacular win against Jake Matthews. We really need to stop and commend Matt Semmelsberger for disposing of Jake Matthews there. Jake Matthews was a massive favorite in that spot. So I think that the arrow is pointed up with uh, Matt Semmelsberger here. I know he's an underdog right now, but I'm leaning towards him being able to land uh, not, I'm not going to say at will because Jeremiah Wills, he, Jeremiah Wills is a fighter who, uh, he's, he's a wily veteran and he, you really need to, um, either catch him in an exchange or drag him to deep waters. And I think Semmelsberger is going to be able to do that in the second and third round here. If it, if it makes it that far, I'm going to take a look at the fight. Doesn't go the distance prop guys. And I see it at minus one ninety. Uh, so fight doesn't go the distance minus 190. That means that uh, we're looking at a moderate uh, situation where the odds are in favor of the fight ending uh, before the final bell. And I'll be picking Matt Semmelsberger to win via knockout. All right. Jay Speck. The fans coming in very tight on this one. 52% of the people voted for Matt Semmelsberger in this contest. Uh, this is kind of like. One of the better, if you if you will, more evenly matched. That's a term I wanted to use. More evenly matched uh, types of fights uh, that we got going on on the card. Um, one thing I want to say is when I think about either of those fighters, the, the two fighters, I just think Sam Ellsberger being good. Like I know he had that big upset as an underdog, but sometimes the you know the bookies be what they they are. But what I think of Jeremiah Wells is him putting that ass kicking on court McGee. Like he made court McGee look completely irrelevant, which he basically is at this year, 2023. And it made him just look like a non, like he shouldn't really be competing much anymore. And I thought, man, to do that against a real veteran, someone who's tough as shit, uh, that court is, um, really stuck out into my mind. And maybe that is playing into my pick here. Actually hundred percent is playing into this pick right here. And that's why I'm going with Mr. Wells, because he lives an impression on your mind when you watch him fight, just like that quote Mike was bringing up a little bit ago. Dirty Red 22, Semi looked so good last time. I got to back him here as much as I do like Wells. Um, this fight is, man, it's a killer versus killer, man. These guys both can go in there and finish fights. Wells has never been finished, never. He's lost two fights, both of them by decision. And, you know, I don't understand, like, why he's been out for so long, 10 months, because, you know what I mean? Like, he's been, like, knocking off guys consistently. I think he's finished all of his fights in the UFC. I think a lot of people have forgotten about Wells. 
because he's been out for so long. And Semmelsberger's last performance was just imprinted in our minds, and it's been most recent. I think Wells goes in there and, and gets the upset. I think a lot of people favor Semmelsberger in this matchup, but I think Wells goes in there and he does what he did to Court McGee to Semmelsberger. I'm taking Wells by knockout in this fight. I think these guys are going to bang it out second round. Um, let's go to the next fight. The next matchup on this main card is a women's flyweight bout between Yasmin Lucindo versus Brogan Walker. Lucindo, 21 years old, man, super young, five foot three orthodox fighter, 13 and five record, 0 and 1 in the UFC. She lost her debut to Yasmin uh, Jaguar via unanimous decision, 77% finishing rate, eight KOs, two subs, eight months between fights for her. Walker. 34 years old. Man, that's a huge difference in age. Five foot four switch stance fighter, seven and three record, 0 and 1 in the UFC. She lost her debut to Juliana Miller in the tough 30 finals. She has wins over Miranda Maverick and Hannah Guy. Hannah Guy's the fight, that fight was on the, the Ultimate Fighter, not sanctioned or not, not part of her pro record, so to say. 14% finishing rate, one sub, eight months between fights. She is sitting as the underdog in this fight. Mike, what do you see in this one? Is this interesting to you? You know what's fascinating? I think one of the most fascinating things we must acknowledge that this is a main card bout, right? Yeah. So yeah. at 21 years of age, Lucindo's getting some shine here. And I honestly think it's deserving. After watching the footage back, she is a fireball, man. I think of, uh, I mean, Takanori Gomi is the you know he has that nickname right but but i think when i watch her she reminds me of a fireball kid to a certain extent the way um she fights she's she's like a runaway train to a certain extent and i like what i see brogan walker i don't think that she is going to be ready to meet that i i know she's fought and she's beaten miranda maverick so there's uh that's that's not an easy feat, especially just considering the physicality of Miranda Maverick and in women, women's mixed martial arts. Uh, you're talking about somebody who a 21 year old, and it's not like she's a, a an inexperienced 21 year old. This is somebody who's been competing in mixed martial arts for a long time. Uh, so I'm going to be riding with the favorite here. I think that she's going to put on a show. I kind of wish this was in front of a crowd, to be honest, because um Lucinda, she brings it every time out. And I think that people are going to want to see, they're going to want to tune in uh, to the main card. And this is the reason why. So give me Lucinda to win. And, you know, I'm looking at the fight doesn't go the distance prop here. And let's see what we got, guys. So we have, it goes to a decision minus 210. I got to be honest. I think this might end inside the distance. And I am tempted to play Lucinda. Sorry, Lucinda inside the distance. So that's going to be my play. And I think that she, I think that she gets this done via submission. All right. Jay Speck. All right. Triple seven break says she's my long shot pick of the card. Got to support tough cast members. Uh, assuming she's going with Walker there. Uh, Brianna Frost saying would love to see Brogan win. Watched her on tough. That tough. You, you never really, once you do that show, you're pretty much, remembered forever for doing it right and which is a good thing uh sometimes it puts unrealistic expectations on you what's not unrealistic is 64 percent of the public supporting 
Lucindo in this matchup. Um, I don't have too many reasons why I would want to fade that pick. You know, Brogan Walker is cool and all. Both of these women are cool. But it, this this is, like, one of those, like, man, why is the odds so stacked in one direction? You got to, like, sometimes I'm not, I'm not the biggest person into, like, reading into the lines too much. But it, sometimes it's also, like, glaringly obvious in the face what the casino is trying to get you to do. And most of the time, that's not good for your wallet. Just letting you know what the casino wants you to do is usually not good for your wallet. And they want you to bet on this fight. And they're trying to tempt you to go in one direction with a big payoff. And they're putting a steep penalty on a fighter that is really young, like you mentioned. And not just young, but it's interesting that she's young and she has the actual fighting mileage, more fights experience. Um, folks, it's Lucindo here. It's not, let's not get too crazy. All right. I'm gonna take uh Lucindo in this in this matchup. I think this is a setup fight, you know, and uh they want her to create a highlight so they could push her in this flyweight division. I'm gonna take knockout in the second round. Even though Walker has never been finished, I think she's gonna be able to uh finish her in this one. All right, let's move on to the next bout in the lightweight division. Bobby Green versus Jared Gordon. Green, 36 years old, 5'10", orthodox fighter, 29-14-1 and one record, 10-9-1 and one in the UFC. He's riding back-to-back losses to Drew Dober and Islam Mahachev. Recent wins over Nazrat, Haparzrat, Al-Ayat Quinta, and Lando Venata, 64% or 62% finishing rate, 10 KOs, eight subs he has a three inch reach advantage five month turnaround for him gordon 34 years old five foot nine orthodox fighter 16 19 and six record seven and five in the ufc wins over leonardo santos joe selecki and danny chavez 42 percent finishing rate six ko's two subs around four month turnaround for him and he is the underdog micah what do you see in this lightweight banger what jumps off the screen when you're watching fight footage between these two fighters is the glaring obvious speed and quickness advantage for Bobby Green. I know that he was brutally knocked out by Drew Dober last time out, but man, and then you have on the other side of the coin, Jared Gordon, who's coming off of the controversial loss to Patty Pimlet in this spot. I, we, we got to respect Jared Gordon's ground game and his jujitsu, but how is he going to get the fight there when he's fighting somebody who has great takedown defense, great footwork, great head movement? It's just a matter of is Bobby Green going to pull his shenanigans where he's um, where he's his own worst enemy here? I know he's around minus two fifty, minus two sixty as the betting favorite, but I think that is uh, is underestimating what could potentially play out here. I think that that Bobby Green gets this fight done and finished out of inside the distance. I think that he's going to land the knockout blow on Jared Gordon. I I have a lot of respect for Jared Gordon and what he's overcome outside of the octagon and he's a uh, strong-willed fighter but also uh, he's been cracked and dropped by lesser opponents. Uh, and and I know even Charles Oliveira was able to completely wipe him out in in when when they locked horns there. So give me Bobby Green and inside the distance. All right, Jay Speck. 
Brianna saying Bobby Green. His last three fights were entertaining as hell. Nasrat, Islam, and Dober. He always puts on a show. All right, that is true. But sometimes that show is at the cost of your consciousness, right, for Mr. Green. 61% of the fans coming in with support for Bobby Green. And I don't blame him. Like, Bobby Green is super fucking likable, man. Like, he fights the way you want to kind of watch fights that happen. They're not boring, all that stuff. But he's a, he's one of those high mileage, um, kind of like last minute stardom squeezing out of him. We see a few of these vet veterans now having their last hurrah and big moments. I think the Bobby Green year come and went, came and gone with him taking the short notice fights, but getting everybody's hearts in loss uh, and losing attempts. Yo, he's he's been knocked out or TKO'd back to back fights. Yeah, Jared Gordon is not uh, someone we think of when it comes to that. But on the other hand, I don't think Bobby Green is that tricky. Like when it comes to trying to get him to the ground, it's going to be simple. Throw a couple punches, pretend like you want to scrap. He's going to bite full. He's going to bite all the way down on it. He's going to come at you, and then you get the takedown. And I think this is what's going to happen. Jared Gordon's going to use a little bit of wit, a little bit of slick, and he'll get the job done via probably a boring uh, decision. Jared Gordon, my pick. Dirty Reg says, I never understand all the love Green gets. I just don't trust him and uh i agree with you man i don't trust bobby green man he's a guy that i think you can't really bet money on because he's <clears> just <throat> his style right it's like killer be like he's actually a guy that really he says what he says before a fight and he goes in there and does that like he is killer be killed right he will chase and take risks and we've seen it in fights fight after fight after fight after fight and he's not afraid either that's one thing that you could you know respect about him um this is a tricky fight because gordon he just somehow finds ways to win fights man like that joe selecki win that was impressive to me man because joe selecki is i think he's a he's a decent prospect and, and jared gordon you know he sometimes i think he overperforms in in many ways right i think we expected him to kind of lose to certain guys and he ends up winning in this fight man I kind of want to pick Jared Gordon. You know what I mean? I kind of do, but I'm going to have to go with Green in this one, man. I think Green does uh, get the knockout in this one. I think Jared Gordon marches forward and tries to strike with him, and, and Green might end up clipping him and seeing what happens. Um, let's go to the next fight coming up in the middleweight division, a co-main event, right? A very unexpected co-main event, but it is what it is. Brad Tavares versus Bruno Silva. Tavares, 35 years old, six foot one orthodox fighter, 19 and seven record, 14 and seven in the UFC. His most recent wins are against Amari Akhmedov, Antonio Carlos Jr., and Christoph Yako, which is weird because all three of those fighters are all fighting for the PFL now. Very odd, very odd, right? Every time you lose to Tavares, you go to the PFL. 37% finishing rate. Five KOs, two subs, around nine months layoff for him. Silva, 33 years old, six foot orthodox fighter, 22 and eight record, three and two in the UFC. He is on back to back losses to Jared Mearshart and Alex Pereira. Recent wins are against Jordan Wright, Andrew Sanchez, and Wellington Terman. 86% face rate, 19 KOs, no submissions, all knockouts for him. Around eight months between fights, and he is the underdog. Mike, uh, 
Do you see uh, Bruno losing and uh, going to the PFL? It depends what type of Bruno Silva we see who shows up on weigh-in day, to be honest. He looked like a completely different fighter at weigh-ins last time out. And I know this is a fighter who spent some time on the sidelines a few years ago due to USADA suspension. So I have been on the fence about this one. I know Bruno Silva is a significant underdog. I think he's about plus 130, plus 140-ish. Obviously, the guy has the hammers. He can end this fight via strikes. We've seen, I believe it was Edmund Shabazian who was able to take out Brad Tavares in the past. Um, also, uh, Drickus du- Duplessis uh, had success against Brad Tavares. And I'm, I'll be honest, I, I want to pause and, and, and say the hate that we're seeing right now for Drickus Duplessis by a number of people in the media doesn't make sense to me. The guy's a stand-up guy, great interviews, um, speaks his mind, and he is a solid fighter. He pushes a pace, and he... Uh, he did a number on Brad Tavares, and 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 we've seen how solid uh, Drickus is. So in this spot, I I see I've been following uh, Bruno's Instagram page, and and in the lead up to this fight, just trying to gauge which Bruno Silva are we getting here? Because honestly, the Andrew Sanchez fight, he was getting out wrestled and and beaten pretty badly in that fight until Andrew Sanchez completely gassed out. And what's interesting is Bruno Silva was awarded his black belt in jujitsu after that bout. Uh, and then you also have a, a knockout loss to Gerald Mearshart of all people. So um, I'll be picking Bruno Silva here though. I think that he is going to end up landing a fight ending blow, but I'm I'm concerned for I'm concerned for Brad Tavares and some of uh, Brad Tavares's stablemates uh, that he's been training with um, Puna Soriano and others. I expected a little bit better out of them. I got to be honest, especially Soriano's last time out when he uh, failed in 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 that UFC stint to completely gas out. I know Brad Tavares doesn't doesn't gas out. He usually is there to the final bell. But I think that the damage is starting to wear on him. This is a fighter who has a tremendous amount of UFC mileage on him. And I know he's I think one of the last finishes he got was against Jaco a long, long time ago. Um but Silva's a heavy hitter and I think that he's going to end up catching Tavares. And I'm going to be picking the underdog Bruno Silva here. Just back. All right. Uh, you can get your comments read aloud in the show via right there on Twitter. Drop fight polls every Wednesday into Thursdays for the show. And this could have been your spot. Me saying your name. So the fan poll coming in with 68% support for Bruno Silva in this fight, which personally, you're going to see me just, I'm just going to make like that doesn't happen. All right. First off, Fellow Hawaiian supporting fellow Hawaiian, you know what's up. Second, all right, Brad Tavares is, and and I'm saying this in a respectful way, a high-level gatekeeper at this point of the career. Do I think he's going to bundle up a bunch of stuff and make another run for the title? No. But where he's at and where he's the people who's getting by him, they're all A-class fighters. Is Bruno Silva that? 
I haven't seen any evidence to suggest that he's any better than a very B, B minus on his best days. So for me, particularly, yes, Brad is not the the super, you know, the future that, you know, we once want him to be. But Brad is a solid, solid fighter that not anybody can get through. As a matter of fact, like I just said, you have to be of a certain class, of a certain make to do so. And I just don't see Mr. Silva doing it. Mr. Silva can knock you out, but I think you're going to see, um, once again, more well-rounded sk skill set and the awareness of what his opponent is going to bring. I don't think Brad's going to make the mistake of just standing there and testing chin for chin. So let's go, Brad. Chihu, let's go. All right. Um, yeah, I love Brad. Brad's been around forever, man. He's kind of a a role model for a lot of the Hawaiian fighters, right? He's, his longevity is, is very respectable. Uh, he has more than 20 fights in the UFC and he's only his, he only has two finishes out of 14 wins in the UFC. That means he's gone to the judges 12 times. And one of those finishes was in the third round. And even when he loses, he's sometimes going to the judges, which means He's taking so much damage, and the mileage is a major concern now, man, with how many fights he's had. And imagine the mileage that he's getting in the gym, probably, facing off against the young fighters coming up. You know, the sparring sessions could be could be heavy, man. I don't know, man. I think Bruno has that X factor where he can go in there and, and clip him and, and take him out. I think I'm going to take Bruno in this fight, even though he's the underdog. Uh, Tavares, man, I love him, but... Uh, just the mileage, man. That's just very concerning. Let's uh, let's go to the main event, heavyweight main event. This is a massive fight. I think a lot of people are are just putting this like to the side. I love the matchup: Sergey Pavlovich versus Curtis Blades. Pavlovich, thirty years old, six foot three, southpaw, seventeen and one record, five and one in the UFC, five fight win streak, all first round knockouts. Wins over Tai Tuovasa, Derek Lewis, Maurice Green, 82% finishing rate, 14 knockouts, no submissions around a four-month turnaround, and he is the underdog in this matchup. Curtis Blades on the flip side, 32 years old, six foot four orthodox fighter, 17 and three record, 12 and three in the UFC with one no contest, three-fight win streak, recent wins over Alexander Volkov, Chris Dawkins, and yeah, here uh Jairzinho, Rosenstrike, 71% facial rate, 11 KOs, one sub, nine months between fights for him. Mike, uh, this is a this is a crazy matchup, man. What do you see? Yeah, heavyweight banger. If if Curtis Blades doesn't change levels, right? But but he may change levels and may and may eat another uppercut like we saw against Derek Lewis and flatlined him. And oh my gosh, you go back to the to the groans that that um, Curtis Blades was making inside of the octagon. And I remember uh, Derek Lewis pleading with, um, I think it was Herb Dean at the time for he Herb, blame Herb Dean. He should have stepped in. That was brutal. Um, but that was over two years ago, right? So this isn't like it was yesterday. You saw Curtis Blades. He's only been stopped three times in his professional career. He's a fighter who has a massive advantage in the wrestling department versus Pavlovich here, who is a heavy striker, who has a lot of confidence. Sergey Pavlovich is going to look to take Curtis Blades' head off while he's still in the fight. Guys, take a look at the fight doesn't go the distance line it's sitting at minus 1000 so that means you have to lay a thousand dollars to win a hundred dollars if you 
if you're betting that the fight doesn't go the distance. So odds makers, um, they're putting it out there and I don't see this one hitting the scorecards. I think that somebody is going to get brutally finished who I personally believe that Pavlovich is going to get grounded at some point in the first round and going to get elbows thrown towards his noggin. And I think he'll probably get split open in a similar fashion to what happened to Alistair Overeem. Um, we've seen Alistair Overeem act, actually have massive success against Ser Sergei Pavlovich. I know this was a number of years ago, but that was a glaring blueprint here. And I have spent, um, literally hours watching fight footage of Sergei Pavlovich. And I haven't seen much from a grappling aspect. The guy has hammers. And that's one thing here. Also, I got to mention is that heavyweight volatility is in play. So could either of these guys land a fight ending strike? You bet your ass they could. Um, and it could happen very quickly for that matter. So I'm going to be picking um, I'm going to be picking Curtis blades. I think that he does get the finish here and I played him at minus 152. Uh, I think that that's a solid line right now, but I also can understand the Pavlovich angle. You have a fighter who uh, has a propensity to once he does get clipped, uh, he'll hit the canvas. We, we know Curtis blades. Uh, he can get clipped, but I think that he is going to fight to his strengths here, look to take this fight to the mat where there's a massive advantage and also the cardio advantage too for Curtis Blades. So he's going to have to overcome this early adversity. I'm talking literally a minute or so of adversity. And then I'm not going to say it's smooth sailing, but you should be um, having much easier sailing. So I'll be picking Curtis Blades and I think that he gets a TKO victory. All right, Jay Speck. All right, got some... Thoughts from the fans. John Davis blades. If he gets if he gets clinches without getting dropped, he'll get this. Brianna Frost blades respectfully. He just needs to protect his face and not get knocked out, but give a knockout. And uh, James Lucero coming out. Yo, gotta go with Sergey. Think he'll crush it. The fans coming in sixty three percent supporting Mister Pavlovich in this uh, bout. And I'm a little bit surprised. I actually thought that it would be the other way around. I thought Curtis Blades would be getting, uh, you know, more of the love here. Yo, I think that people are way too in love with that, like, what was it, 40-second clip of Sergey down on the beach underneath the pier, checking him up, looking him fast as hell. Um, I mean, he looked great. Don't get me wrong. He, like, shit, looked amazing. But, dude, that's like a promo video, man. That's literally a designed video to go, Hey, look, that dude's in shape, and he's pretty fast for a heavyweight. Exactly what we all did, all right? Uh, that's propaganda, folks. You know what's not propaganda? If you really look at these guys' records and who they fought and all that, one guy has been fighting the very top of the food chain in the division for a really long time. The other is making his way slowly up the hill. Um the levels of punching prowess, power, accuracy, and all the other skills that go with it. Curtis Blades has fought everybody, dude. He's fought everybody that could possibly knock him out. And only one guy, I think, I re really has done it, right? Like, in recent memory. So, with that being said, the, uh, the, the chances of some magic home run happening against Curtis Blades is really low. You talk about a guy who can put you down on the ground seemingly at will and even not at will on his second attempt like all he really needs to do is try twice 
as hard as you can and he's putting your ass on the ground no matter what size you are a human being on the planet like that's a skill set that just is not to me not a skill set you want to go against and one that you off you often do not win against so mr blades is gonna win via wrestling supremacy and that's my pick all right let's get into some of these comments MMA Jesus says Sergey round one KO. Dirty Red says Blades. He also mentions make the number better on Blades so I can load up. Sean V, that blueprint is silly. Overeem followed a perfect game plan against a young newcomer, Pavlovich. Blades isn't going to fight that way. You know who's one of Blades' closest training partners? Guess who? Alistar Overeem. You know what I mean? Like that's he's been training with him for a long time. So you guys got to keep your eye on that as well. Blades uh will wrestle off top. Sean V says Pavlovich is incredible technical boxing. I agree with you. He does have and he has that killer instinct as well. Blades won't wrestle at first. Crestable IQ. Uh Sergey, at least five wins are in the first round. His all of his 14 finishes are in the first round. 14 knockouts. First that's round knockouts. Nuts. That's nuts, man. Like, that's insane killer instinct. Even if he don't, his hands will be okay. Uh, blades, chin, gone. Those are some, you know, great comments by the people watching. Keep them coming. Man, Pavlovich, he has five straight first-round knockouts. All of his wins are by first-round knockout. And my question to that is, is he even training cardio? Is he even doing cardio in his camps? Is he just doing striking the whole time? You know what I mean? Like those, those are those are like legit questions. You know what I mean? Because fighters, this is something that happens to fighters. I talk to fighters all the time. They kind of reveal things, you know, in those interviews about like the fighter mentality. And sometimes fighters, they get complacent, mm -hmm. you know, with their training. And some of these fighters, they run their own camps. They don't even have head coaches, right? And they do if they do have a head coach, you know, maybe they're butting heads. Who knows? But there's a lot of questions. One thing about Blades, he has a head coach. He has a team. He has teammates that are, are all, pretty much almost all of them are, are signed to the UFC. And they're always in camp. They're always helping each other out. You know, and uh, I think what Blades does is that Blades goes in there and he's just as big or, or if not bigger than Pavlovich. And the physicality is not going to be a problem. He might even have the speed advantage over Pavlovich. I know Pavlovich got death in his hands and, and he has better boxing, but when they get in there tight, I think Blades is going to be able to, you know, tie him up and take him down. I don't think he's going to finish him in the first round. I think he gets him down. He beats him up for a while, maybe even cuts him. You know what I mean? It's going to be a dominant round on the ground because remember what Blades did to Overeem with the elbows and knocked him out? I could see that happening, but just for it's just going to take a little bit longer. And it gets to the second round and see how Pavlovich responds to that. And he takes him down again and he beats him up in the second round and finishes him in the second round. So I'm going to take uh, Blades, knockout, second round. I don't think this fight lasts very long. A lot of people think first round. And I can see people going with um, first round knockout for Pavlovich because why? That's what's been happening in history. And we know that in fighting, you've got to look at the, the, the most recent fights. And, you know, it is what it is. I love it. You know, I love that this fight is just the toss-up. You know what I mean? Because once once it, the bell rings for first round, ting, anything could happen. And that's what's great about this matchup. And, uh, and if Pavlovich wins, man, imagine him fighting for the title with six straight first-round knockouts.
that'd be crazy, right? Anyways, be great. Thank you everybody for joining us for the show live. Uh, make sure you guys uh, hit that subscribe if you are not subscribed to this channel. Hit that like. You know, of course, it helps with the the algo on YouTube to to spread the love. Uh, go in the descriptions, download the All Star app, make your picks. I've been making the picks throughout the show on the app. What what you saw on the screen is the app. Uh, join us in the in the in the uh, in the chat. I mean, it's getting more active. There's so many more people getting involved with the app and making picks and, and even going head to head with other other people on the app. Uh, it's it's becoming so much more fun. There you go. Mike's on it. And uh, Mike, you know, before we get out of here, tell everybody where they can find you and, and where, you know, you know, where's your sure. work, man? Sure, sure, sure. I put a lot of work out on Twitter. I also have been doing some work with you guys, so I appreciate you at the all-star and also I um, have done work at MMA Oddsburger as well. So you can also check out my plays at betmma.tips. Been putting out a lot of free plays recently for the past few cards. And I think I'll be honest, I think that's the way to go here. I think that the community and in, in large here at large, it's, it's great to have the communication amongst each other and fr free flowing information is key. And I appreciate both of you guys for having me on today. Thank you. And, uh, excited about this weekend and also the opportunities that are ahead. So appreciate both of you. Thank you for having me on. Awesome. Uh, Jay spec, what do you got going this weekend? This weekend is a big one because we've got Bellator and the UFC going down. Uh, follow me here on Twitter. We'll be doing our Watch parties as we always do. Giving away Kai Kamaka fight shirts. Autographed by Kai Kamaka. Find all that on my timeline on Twitter. And uh, yeah, just another great week of watching fights. Enjoying uh, the action and uh, just trying to get some cool gear to the fans. So come be part of the space. All you got to do is just show up. It's just that simple. You show up. We put names in a tube. Shake it up. And it could be you. There you go. Is Benil joining you guys for the spaces? Yeah, so not for the actual spaces. Separately, 2 o'clock Pacific time, uh, myself and Benil Dariush will be doing a little Q&A. You guys are welcome uh -huh. to join us, uh, bring your questions and stuff, and it's all for a uh, really cool charity. So there you go. Thanks for bringing that up, JHK. Yeah, for awesome. sure, man. That's a, that's a big get for, for the spaces, right? Benil, he's, he's so close to a title shot, man. We'll be talking about him in a few weeks when he fights in uh, Vancouver on pay-per-view, massive fight against Charles Oliveira. Make sure you guys follow everybody on Twitter. That's probably the best place you can get all your info. I'm not verified no more. They took away all the blue checks, you know, for people that actually are verified. you got to pay for it. And, and to be honest with you, I don't think I need to pay for it because there's nothing really like they offer with Twitter Blue that, that I need. You know what I mean? I, I've been using the app for years and years and years without those – those options and and it's been working well so i don't think i need to do it and i don't think i don't think i need to check uh but uh yeah follow us over there and uh we'll be back next week for another show we'll have another uh great mind in the sport joining us and uh yeah see you guys next week thank you for joining us